breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Report Mayor Tom Arsenault joining us in studio this morning. Mayor, good morning. Good morning to you. Thank you for coming in. My pleasure. I, I texted I texted Tom the other day and I didn't get a reply. I was like, well, doggone. I texted him again late in the afternoon. Didn't hear back. Then I looked at my contacts and I said, well, I've got two numbers. I was texting the wrong number. <laughs> Tom's like, no, that's not that's not the right one. So thank you for replying when I finally texted the right number. Uh, we appreciate you being in. A lot of things going on. Um, I, I want to catch up on a lot of stuff, but I want to talk about this committee that you've put together um, for the to study the bomb proposal. Tell us about this committee, which our guest host is on. Yes, he is. Um, I uh, I feel like it is time for the people of Shreveport to decide to make an investment again in our infrastructure. We really haven't made a significant investment since about 2014. That's nine years, and a lot of things can go bump in the night uh, in, a, in a period of nine years. So, and have. And, and they have. I mean, you can drive around the streets, and, and uh, we just have infrastructure needs. One of the things Shreveport has been typically very good through its history is continuing to make investments in its infrastructure. Now, there are exceptions to that, but generally, particularly with streets and roads and arteries, we've done a really good job of uh, avoiding some of the huge traffic delays that you see in other cities our size and larger because we have anticipated uh, growth and we have continued to make investment. And we've had a period now of uh, almost 10 years where we really haven't done that. And it, it seems to me it's time to consider doing that. But uh, the best way to do that is to get information, to get opinion from citizens to help put together what the projects ought to be on a proposed bond issue. And to have a committee that is really not just window dressing, mm -hmm. but actually will mm -hmm. have, have input. And so I asked each of the council members uh, to submit two names uh, to me, and and as I explained to them, they weren't names from which I would choose. They would be names that would be appointed, and so each each council member has submitted. Uh, there's there's one I'm still waiting on, but the, each council member uh, has submitted okay. two names. Uh, Mr. Avalone was one uh, that was suggested, I believe, by Councilman Butcher. And, uh, uh, and he made some really good choices. That way I'm getting a geographical balance and a racial balance. And then I have, I, I'm appointing, I have appointed five people. So the total will be 19 people. I asked, uh, Larry Clark, who is the chairman emeritus, the chancellor emeritus at LSUS mm -hmm. to, uh, to chair it. And, uh, part of that is I have a, long-standing friendship and relationship with Dr. Clark. And in addition to that, uh, he has chaired several different committees in Shreveport of diverse groups of people and has handled those beautifully. So I thought he was kind of a perfect person to draw this diverse group of people together to move toward a goal of 
coming up with a list of projects that would be uh, in the bond election and actually and how many how much um, now they won't be writing totally on a blank slate in that we'll have um, department heads and members of the administration that are saying these are our views about priorities these are the things that we, we think you ought to look at but I've had people said I've had some news people ask me well you know what are the projects that you really think ought to be in there and and I my response has been the same I have some opinions mm-hmm. those opinions will get expressed through the time but I do not want to start the process by saying this is what I want now would you please bless it uh, that's not that's not how I want this committee to operate I want them to to know that they have a real place at the table and that their opinions and their priorities are important to us important enough that I'm not going to say this is what I want see what see how you like it uh, so it really is intended to be a ground up uh, citizen committee uh, their meetings will be public uh, they'll be open to the public they're going to have I believe two particular town hall kind of meetings so will the public be able to ask questions and provide input the public will be able to provide to provide input and ask questions yes now as with any public comment uh you don't necessarily get an answer to your comment sure uh and and but really we're we're going to leave that being heard is important we're going to leave that to dr clark uh he is a very able uh, leader of a meeting and manager mm-hmm. of a meeting and that's one reason that that we chose uh, that I chose him and I really believe that this will be a process where citizens will feel like their views have been heard now I, I, I know we we've talked about the city council business your current mayor you have been a city council member you understand the workings of the city council Uh, A lot of people aren't happy right now, and a lot of people uh, may incorrectly take it out on your bond proposal. How do you address people that say, I'm not voting for a bond proposal if, say, James Green is chairman? Well, I... Uh, I, I know uh, you council can't say. council relationships come and you know come and go, and there are times when the council gets along that that those are good times. Uh, it it uh, I I think that the the council will end up this well the way this process will work the committee will end up making some recommendations. Those recommendations are to the city council. Okay, the city council will then. What we're hoping to do, the city council will call an election, but we'll also have a resolution that will say, this is what we're going to use this money for, uh, with dollar, with dollar amounts. And then they will call the election. And at that point, I, I hope that I'll have some council members helping me to convince the public that this is something that they, they should strongly consider and vote for. But I'm going to be out there selling. And uh, when when the monies come in and when the bonds are sold, then it'll be my administration that will be shepherding those funds. And so I really, you know, for better or worse, I think they're going to the person that they need to trust the most is me. Okay, Lewis. Yeah, no, I was that was one of my questions. Of course, Aaron is on vacation, but her message resonates with a lot of listeners who say, 
I'm not voting for a bond proposal if James Green, for example, and, and the larger issue there is if the citizens don't trust the city council. But what I'm hearing you say is, hey, if you don't trust the city council, that's okay. That's your opinion. But the mayor's office will be... We've got to move the city forward. Well, I, I, you know, there's an old saying, you don't want to cut your nose off to spite your face. And uh, and I, I think that sometimes we have, uh, if we have an emotional reaction to a particular event, uh, we can get in that frame of mind. And what, what I hope to do is to have a, a calm and rational approach to these really are our priorities. These are things that we need to do to move the city forward. And we need to move the city forward regardless of who the mayor is, regardless of who the members of the city council are, uh, because this is for our city. This is a, this is the citizens bond issue. This is not Tom Arsenault's bond issue. This is not the city council's bond issue. Uh, we will propose it, but once those things are passed, these are investments that the citizens are making. I'm not putting the money in. The taxpayers are putting the money in, and they're the ones who deserve to have these projects. So an auditing of those funds, the spending of those funds, let's say the, the voters of Shreveport approve the bond initiative. Who is responsible for the accounting of those dollars? Will that be your office or will that be the city council? Uh, it'll be our it'll it'll be our finance department. Uh and and of course the external auditor keeps you and and your bond council, you know, you, you have to when you issue bonds, you borrow money. Okay? And there are covenants in those bonds where you have to covenant that we're gonna do things a certain way. We'll have certain reserves, we'll have um, we'll spend this money only on these things, and the uh, the trustee for the bondholders holds you accountable for that. We we get uh, I, I get notices on a regular basis. We need this report. We need that report. We 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 find you short in this area, or we don't have this report. You need to get it to us. So uh, those funds are very carefully watched, not just within the city, but outside the city, because. We have a relationship with the with the people who loaned us the money. So there's some safeguards in place. Obviously. A lot, of, a lot of safeguards, and I don't think you've got any administration that has had any difficulty with uh, with the expenditure of the money and and actually using the money for what the bond issue says it was used for. You can't you can't really mix and match it. The reason for the resolution is. That's kind of a political contract between the people and the city council that says when you pass these propositions, we're going to use the money for this. That gives us flexibility. Let's just say a current example is Knight Street. Knight Street's been in a bond issue. The problem is it was in a bond issue that didn't have enough money allocated to Knight Street to do Knight Street. So uh, we're looking for a fix to that. But, Aaron, are you listening? I, I, I especially, I especially brought this up for Aaron uh, because I, I was obligated to ask. If, I, if I, you knew, didn't. I knew, I knew, I knew, and and you know, Nice Street is one of the things that may that may be in there, but we're also looking for another solution to Nice Street. But for example, suppose we have a project that we think will cost four million dollars, but it's going to, but it ends up costing only three million dollars. We have a million dollars. If we've tied that in the proposition, we can't use that money for anything else. 
So if we have one that needs a million and one that is that saved a million, we can't move that money. So that's why mm-hmm. you'll find the bond proposition language is broader than the resolution. We're talking with Mayor Tom Arsenault. Can you hold with us? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, we'll be back after the break. Mike and McCarty with Lewis R. Avalone in studio. 101. Back to the big stories of the day with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Report Mayor Tom Arsenault in studio, Mike and McCarty with Lewis R. Avalone in for Aaron. Mayor, you mentioned a moment ago, we just have a couple of minutes here uh, before the news. You mentioned you have some suggestions and some ideas for the bond proposal. What 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 is on your wish list? Mostly, it'll be uh, it'll be some major major streets, uh, perhaps some recreation and public ser- uh, public safety uh, issues. Mm-hmm. Those will be my, most of mine are going to be bread and butter kind of uh, issues. Uh, th- that to me, the the best bond proposals are those that. Um, that address your basic physical needs, and we have enough basic physical needs that will take up a lot of it. Uh, there are a couple of potential uh, ideas out there uh, that are uh, that may be appropriate to have a single proposition for that. Uh, the last time, the last time I recall that we did that was with Fairgrounds Field, and that it wasn't part of a parks and recreation uh, proposal. It was its own standalone. So the question was, the citizens, do you want to build this stadium or do you not? And uh, the answer was yes. And it turned out that the citizens were right. I was really kind of skeptical about that. I was on the council at the time. Uh, but that's the kind of thing that this committee will help us to structure. Well, you know, how quickly would these projects, I guess, when would dirt be turning on these projects because there are projects from the last bond proposition uh, such as the uh, substations uh, for the Shreveport Police Department we haven't heard any progress on those projects so a lot of folks may be wondering okay when's those projects going to get started and if we approve this bond proposition when will those get started I can answer the substations quickly because uh, we have just received the donation for the location of one up on on North Market Street, and so now now we have the land, we're able to begin design, and then there's going to be one up on Monkhouse, the old foremost dairy site, uh, and we already own that property, so we're still looking for the third the third site. But it it takes a year or two from the time you pass a bond issue until. Uh, until you actually Start sell the bond, you sell the bonds. Yeah. You got to get the design. I, you, you can't really design until you have the bond money because that comes out of the bond money. So there mm-hmm. is a there is a lead time, which is why it's important to do this in 2024. All right, we got Mayor Tom Arsenault in studio. Uh, you will hold with us after the news. I appreciate I sure will. that. Looking forward to talking with you some more. 1017 FM seven ten. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. 1017 FM, 710 Keel. Mike and McCarty with Lewis R. Avalone in for the vacationing Aaron McCarty in studio with Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault. Uh, Tom recently appointed a committee to for the bond proposal study. Uh, but it's interesting that you made the comment that you asked council members to each appoint two, 
And those weren't recommendations. You said those are appointees. That's correct. Yeah, I wanted the I wanted to make sure ultimately the decision on this bond, um, what goes into a bond package or whether we go forward with a bond package is a city council decision. They'll have to vote on it. So I wanted to make sure that each council member felt that uh, he or she had the uh, had had a voice and had people from their districts mm-hmm. that were uh, a part of the committee, not just expressing opinions. So you get a cross section of the city. I do, yeah, and, and that that gives the geographical spread that you uh, that you want. And then I added a few. I added a few people. Um, How many people total are going to be on the committee? There'll be nineteen. 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 So fourteen. Fourteen selected by the city council, basically, and then I have appointed five. Okay. And, uh, and you're waiting on a couple more. Is that correct? I'm waiting on one. I'm waiting on one. One pair. Okay. But I am assured that that will come. Uh, last hour, we talked a little bit about some projects, um, and we mentioned you mentioned Fairgrounds Field, but not in this in, in this aspect. Um, what's the latest on the demolition of Fairgrounds Field? Uh, right now, I'm, I have it on hold, uh, and we'll we'll uh, pick it up. Uh, I, I, the uh, one of the reasons that I have it on hold is simply that the uh, we're looking at the Rev Entertainment project, mm-hmm. and uh, it that's my it, next it, question. Yeah, it it would certainly be demolished as a part of the Rev Entertainment project because they that that will be parking for the new facility uh if if uh, if if we go forward with rev and uh we are as you know we engaged a company called Baker Tilly which is a international consulting firm that has experience in these kinds of things uh we've now had one meeting with them we have another meeting tomorrow uh with them uh to evaluate the feasibility and how to finance it and you know because the one the one thing that I did specify for them is that I'm not willing to put this on a general obligation bond so this will not be supported by property taxes and it 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 has to sustain itself we have to have a way to finance it without additional property taxes uh and so that's that's why we brought in baker tilly uh the council approved them um and, uh, and, and where are they on their study <clears throat> we uh the the first phase of that study we uh is supposed to be completed within eight weeks from last week so about seven weeks from now we so should they're have just that. getting started they are just getting started yeah okay. it took us a little while to uh to get the contract done, but uh, uh, we lit a fire under the appropriate people, and the the fire got put out. And their objective <laughs> is to is to uh, I mean, obviously a feasibility study. Is it? They're going to do some feasibility. They're going to do some economic study, but also help us with uh, how to arrange the financing of it. Um, It'll probably be an economic development district, and and as a result of that, you have some tax dollars that will flow into it uh, as a result of the construction. And uh, it's it's a fairly complicated financial structure because we're not using general obligation bonds. Mm-hmm. And I think they're uh, – I am very optimistic that we're going to have some real positive uh, announcements, hopefully by the end of the year. But it's very interesting that you say this needs to – support itself so right. i think a lot of citizens may be concerned that this is another 
cross bayou debacle or boondoggle, so to speak, or this is similar to the NBA G League that was proposed uh, right. in previous years where there was going to be tens of millions of taxpayer dollars, city dollars, right. that were necessary to jumpstart jump start the project. Well, it, there'll be a significant public investment uh, in this. It just won't be supported by general obligation bonds. And, and so that takes a lot of the, uh, the city will not put its, well, as they say, its full faith and credit behind, behind this. It'll, the, the, the project will have to support itself if it supports itself. And, uh, I will say this, the rev entertainment people are really high on Shreveport. And they really believe and are, and I think are going to be willing to make significant investments themselves in this. And that's a positive, very positive development. So I'm, I'm still very, I'm I'm still very optimistic about it. It's a very big project and therefore it takes, we want to take our time. You don't, you don't want to rush into premature announcements until we're really ready to go. And if, and if you look at what they're doing in, but Arlington, Arlington. And in other markets, I mean, they've been extremely successful. They've done similar projects to this in a number of markets smaller than Arlington, the Dallas-Fort mm-hmm. Worth area, that have been very successful. And uh, and I'm planning to go and take a look at some of those. So that, that that's exciting news. I I do. I hope it. I hope it comes to fruition. I think it it, it could change the the landscape. No pun intended. Of that entire area. Yes. We, we, I believe, you know, it isn't, it is not about a baseball stadium. It is about the transformation of a part of our town that can, that can use the redevelopment. Absolutely. Where the city already has a substantial investment, independent stadium, for example. Well, on the fairgrounds itself. The, you know, so the, yeah, we have a we. It is in our best interest to make that a positive. You can imagine how. Uh, how much of an advertisement it is for a, a redevelopment or restoration of the city of Shreveport to drive for all that traffic on I-20 to pass this magnificent new uh, facility. So if we can if we can make it happen, it'll be a very exciting project. And you mentioned earlier, Lewis, some of the previous sports projects that did not pass, did not or were not successful. Uh, Tom, how is this rev? project different from those well i think it's different in that it it isn't just a sports complex um uh they're they plan they're hoping to have occupancy of the facilities that are going to be constructed over 300 days of the year so that is much broader than than a baseball team or a basketball team or a football team and then to make the space much nicer for, say, events at Independence Stadium, events at Hirsch. Uh, one of the things we're going to look at in the bond issue is perhaps doing some renovation at Hirsch. Um, nice. You know, the, uh, we're, so, we're so proud of the mud bugs and what the mud bugs do um, on really a shoestring. And uh, there's a lot that could be done with that facility that would enhance the mud buds experience but we wouldn't do it just for that it would be for other other venues and and other entertainment projects 
uh, themselves. So um, there's just a lot that can be done with with that facility that's already there in a wonderful location. Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault, one more segment? Sure. Oh, you're, you're the best. Uh, we'll be back after the break. Micah McCarty with Lou. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. 1017 FM, 710 Kiel. Mike and McCarty, Louis R. Abalone in for the vacationing Aaron McCarty. We're talking with Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault in studio with us. First of all, I can't thank you enough for coming in. We love it when you come in. I, I love to come in, and I, as, as I've told you, I go where I'm invited. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, one thing I want to ask about is the our police department. We're down 140 officers just just with the staffing number. That's not counting officers out on leave, uh, officers right. on, you know that that aren't on the streets for various reasons. Um, obviously, you're in close contact with Shreveport Police Chief Wayne Smith. Are, what are you guys? What are you working on to help and and I, I know it boils down to money. You, we've got to be able to pay officers to come work in the city of Shreveport. Some of some of it does boil down to money, and we're working on some proposals uh, that will be uh, that will be a part of the 2024 budget. Uh, but uh, some of it is also um, we've restructured the recruiting uh, folks. Um, we found some police officers who were in other positions who have a real passion for recruiting and have shown success recruiting even under the circumstances that we have. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are multi-talented officers and therefore their skills were being used somewhere else. We decided that uh, uh, the chief decided that those were people that needed to be in charge of uh, in charge of recruiting, and we think we'll see fruit from that. The second thing we're doing is uh, we had really not set aside a, a substantial budget for recruiting for them to go to the job fairs and the places that they need to go um, to recruit both existing officers from other forces as well as as well as young people and you will see a substantial recruiting budget in the 2024 budget for the police department uh so i think those will begin to uh those will begin to to play a part and you have to reach out like other markets and, other and, markets correct right. and we, you know basically it's been you know wherever you can go for a tank of gas and we need to be we need to broaden uh, broaden our scope of that, and the the police chief agreed. And uh, we're I, I think over the next six or seven months we'll see some improvement in that because we have a number of officers retiring at the end of this year. Well, there'll be some actually some senior leadership retiring at the end of this year, and uh, we'll, they'll people will move up. Uh, to those positions, so we'll have new leadership there, and then we'll need to fill in the gaps uh, from the existing police people, and then hopefully a couple of uh, uh, twenty or twenty-five cadet classes of recru- of uh, trainees for next year. Nice, yeah, we definitely need them. Did, Absolutely. Did um, well, I just I just went completely blank. I looked at Lewis, and I just went completely blank. <laughs> He'll do that to you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so, Mayor, uh, you know, going forward, uh, you've been in office uh, for eight months. Eight months now. Eight months tomorrow. 
What what has <laughs> been months? Really? What has been the biggest surprise of being in office? You know, it's one thing to campaign for the office and to be on the outside looking in. What has been the biggest surprise for you on the inside? Uh, how how much difference the team at the top makes? Uh, and I feel like. Uh, with our with our city attorney, our chief administrative officer, our chief financial officer, and and the mayor, I think we have a really good e- uh, team uh, to to lead the department heads. The department heads are doing well in their uh, in their jobs, and uh, and many of them were the people who were there before, and uh, I, I I just think it makes a difference. Uh, to be on task and have an agenda and to have regular expectations of those department heads and they respond to that. So that's been a real positive. It's not really a surprise, but it, uh, cause I expected, I, I hoped that that would happen. I guess the surprise is it appears to have happened. Now, uh, we know we're dealing with dry conditions right now. We're dealing with, uh, you know, n- no rainfall. Uh, we had William Daniel on last week, and he said our water situation is in good shape. It is. Uh, you know, uh, interestingly, we if you look at the average rainfall for this time of year, we're still about six inches up. Uh, so we had a That's very... Surprising. It, it is. We had yeah. a very wet winter and spring, and so we were able to do it. I, I think that, that uh, Mr. Daniel and his crew have done a superb job managing the level of Cross Lake, which is our big deal. Now, we were concerned about it this this couple of inches of rain we had uh, a, a couple of days ago really, really helped us, and uh, so if we can get a little bit more rain uh, in the early part of September, then, then we really will stay in very good shape. And I, I, I really have to say, there are some people who have criticized the management of Cross Lake, but I will tell you, over this year, I think that, that William Daniel and his crew have done a fantastic job managing the level of the lake so that we don't have to get to even voluntary conservation measures. Now, and I understand uh, this hasn't been announced, but you're running for sheriff. Is that right? <laughs> I am not running for sheriff. I am not. I, I am. I am planning to run for reelection, but I'm not. I'm not planning to run for sheriff. <laughs> Mayor, thank you so much for coming in this morning. It's Appreciate my pleasure. It. Thank you, and uh, good luck with the committee. The first meeting is Louis. You tomorrow. said tomorrow. Tomorrow is five o'clock. Fantastic. We'll look uh, We'll look forward to hearing what everybody has to say. Mayor Tom Arsenault in the studio. Mike and McCarty with Louis R. Avalone. 101.7 FM, 710keel.com. Started. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710keel. Thanks to the mayor for coming in yesterday, spending so much time with us. Very cool. I told you I texted him the day before. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't hear back and I'm like, okay, so I guess if I'm not Aaron, you know, I don't get I don't get a reply. <laughs> immediately jumped to he hates and, me. And so I yeah, that's, <laughs> of course. That's where I immediately go. And then I texted him later again in the afternoon, didn't hear back. And I was like, Well, gosh, 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 gosh. <laughs> 
and, and ended up, I, I had the wrong number. Yep. It wasn't even a cell phone number I was texting. Yep. So I don't know why I didn't give it a bounce back, but when I got the right number, he replied immediately. Yeah, Tom, if you're listening, uh, yeah, Mike was cussing you for no reason. No, I wasn't. <laughs> but my feelings were hurt. If I had a boss, he used to go, but my, my, my feelings. <laughs> my feelings. So, uh, yeah, thank you, Mayor, and uh, we appreciate his willingness to uh, come on the show. Liz Swain from the Downtown Development Authority going to join us coming up next hour. Looking forward to talking with her, all things downtown. Mike and McCarty, Aaron on vacation, 1017 FM, 710 Keel. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty, Aaron on vacation in studio with me this hour, Liz Swain from the Downtown Development Authority. Howdy, howdy, It's so good to be here with you. Thank you so much. Oh. Always love seeing you out and about. Oh yeah. Um, uh, of course. You know how I feel downtown. You love downtown. I I, I ran I into you downtown. at the Blind Tiger last week, and yeah. you were out having lunch with a friend, and it yes. was great to see you down there. Thank you. You too. Um, now, Downtown Development Authority, I I want to talk a little bit about what, what, what exactly is the Downtown Development Authority? Is it a branch of the city government? Is it its own entity? What do you do? How many people are there? <laughs> And we how have 30 money, seconds for how this. How much money do you make? What's your social security <laughs> number? number? Yeah. But I know it. I know it. What's your birthday? Give me all your passwords. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We are a partner with the city of Shreveport. We're a partner with local governments, but we are not an arm of the city. Okay. We are a standalone. We're considered, in wonky terms, a political subdivision. And that means we were set up by the Louisiana legislature. We actually were enabled and created by the city that passed us to the legislature. They approved us. And so we um, have an ad valorem tax in the downtown district only. Mm -hmm. It's 9.04 mills, and that's what funds all the activities of the Downtown Development Authority. Um, the We, again, partner with the city. We have two what's called... Um, contracts they're they're supportive contracts to the city one is for our streetscape division those are the guys in the blue shirts that everyone loves who pick up the litter and keep downtown looking clean and sparkling and water the trees and do all those things you got to do okay and i'm telling you so those aren't city employees they are not city employees those are downtown development authority employees okay. and they work seven days a week picking up litter because that is the gift that keeps on giving as we know from all around everywhere else we've talked about and then we have another professional services contract, which is called Shreve Park. And those are the guys in blue that everyone hates. And they're the ones who are downtown, uh, who are making sure that people are paying to park on on-street parking. So on-street parking is all they deal with, not the lots or the parking garages or anything like that. Is that like the the meters now take the app is they that will. correct is that park mobile yes yes so you anything takes the app any green zone area any meter zone area the park mobile app is very amazing because it's taken in cities around the country and in the state, if you go to New Orleans, if you go to Houston, I think maybe even Dallas takes Park Mobile. And you can use that same app no matter where you go. But it can up, it can give you 
at a meter, you can only get two hours. But if you're using Park Mobile, you can park somewhere for three hours. I mean, it's just really handy. If you're mm-hmm. inside in a meeting and you see that you're running out of time, it counts you down on your phone and you can actually extend your time remotely. So that's one of the cool features of Park okay. Mobile. Cool. So that's a division I didn't even realize that you had anything to do with. Yeah, yeah. Back in the 1990s, the city realized that they did not need to dedicate police officers to writing tickets. Now, police officers still do write tickets. Sometimes they'll roll through downtown and they'll write one when they see something that bothers them. But they don't need to be doing that. You know, They need to be out and about doing the things that police officers need to be doing, which is not, you know, writing tickets for overstaying at a meter. So, and so okay. that's the city said hey, will you guys do this for us? And the DDA at that point said, yes, we will create a division and we'll we'll handle that. So where do those funds go? They go into something called the City's Parking Enterprise Fund. The city has several enterprise funds. Water and sewer is one. Golf is one. Airports is one. And parking is one. And what that means is that the money that is retrieved from the fees um, in those divisions, like what you pay for your water bill, goes into the Water and Sewer Enterprise Fund, and it's it has to pay for itself. So there's theoretically not supposed to be any other city money that goes into those funds to help pay for that particular uh, service. So golf is supposed to pay for itself, water and sewer is supposed to, parking is supposed to, airports is supposed to, mm-hmm. and so that's how the enterprise funds are set up. In the airport, you bring that, that's a totally separate entity on its own. It is. You know, it's it's an interesting thing. They have their board, and their board is who hires their uh, airport director and who sets their policies, but they are an arm of the city. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an interesting thing. It's like the Shreveport Housing Authority. You would think that that would be an arm of the city, but it is not, even though it's called the Shreveport Housing Authority. They confer with the city, they converse with the city, but right. they're not controlled by the by city government. I guess that's why it's not the city of Shreveport right. Housing Authority. Right, but it is. it does confuse folks. Okay. A lot of confusing things about government, as we have seen <laughs> <laughs> recently. <laughs> it wasn't in we can get into as well <laughs> no. later. Um, but but your staff, you got you've got how many people on staff yeah. for the DDA? And where's yeah. your, where's your office exactly? Four sixteen Cotton. We're open to the public eight thirty to five Monday through Friday. It's a cool historic building that we rehabbed. We love to show people how to do that. So tell, if you tell ever me, want tell to me see where that, that is. Uh, like, when you're coming into downtown on Marshall Street, so you go under that cool new mural that was painted underneath oh, the yeah, I yeah, twenty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah underpass then you come into downtown on marshall street Mm -hmm. and then cotton street you have to go right on cotton it's it's one way i know exactly where you're talking Mm -hmm. about we're right there in the curve right as you turn onto cotton the apartments very near very near the lee hardware apartments in that area right we're right across from the train track so <laughs> we're, yeah. we're across from the drawing track. So you can come see us, and we've got all kinds of handouts about things going on downtown, places to eat, places to shop, things to do, art and attractions. So we'd love to love to see you come by and look at the building. We're very proud of it. It did not look like that about six or seven years ago. It was a right. nasty, grimy place and just shows you what uh, what some rehab and some historic tax credits can do, and we love promoting it. And they've the building on the corner there, that's now residential. All of every building in our square block, with the exception of two, 
have been either rehabbed over the past five years or is in the process of being rehabbed. And that is uh, the Glass Hat Building. Uh, the, there are apartments that have been created. There are condos that have been created. Office space is going in next to us. A uh, hydroponic farm is next yeah, to that. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. And it shows you that if one person comes in and does something really cool with their building, it really does incentivize or encourage others around you to do something similar. We've got to stop to, tearing down buildings, we can't, period. Yeah. Density, downtowns have to be dense. There are th- People never go downtown to look at a parking lot, do they? Mm-hmm. And yet, when's the last time you heard somebody say, hey, I'm going to go downtown because I want to look at that parking Let's lot? Go look. No. Right. They go downtown to go to Robinson Film Center or Art Space or The Strand. They go to a building to interact with the things happening there. And so that's really important. I've got Ernie Robertson coming on tomorrow morning. Oh. Who's, who's a history buff. Gotten uh, more than we will ever know. Than I'll yeah. ever know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I love talking to him about the history, oh, you know, about some so of much. this. Is so much. So much. Liz Swain in studio from the Downtown Development Authority with Mike and McCarty. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. In studio with Liz Swain, Treeport Downtown Development Authority, my old cohort from Channel 3. This is correct. Don't be telling any of those stories. If you don't tell them on me, I won't tell them on you. How about that? I actually have more stories about Al Pierce oh, than, well, I, than don't, I do about you. Don't we all? <laughs> Bless you, sir. I loved oh, Al. Yeah. I loved Al. You mentioned where your office is, and then you go around the corner uh-huh. in front of the Lee Hardware. I remember walking. I think it might have been during uh, Art Walk. Yes. One one uh, one one year, because um, we love going down for that. But I, I, as I was going around the corner, and we were going to go to the hydroponic garden. Yeah, in Cotton, there. Cotton Street Farms. Cotton yeah. Street Farms. Yeah. And the building before you actually make no, right after you make the corner, there were some wind. Those are apartment. Those yes. are like. Yes. Yeah. Uh, condos or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got condos. That got a, is so cool. Y- you know, you do not know what's behind the walls and doors of any of the buildings downtown. Yes. Some of them are the coolest apartments, condos, workspace. And unless you come downtown for something like an art walk, uh, when we have a lot of those buildings open, you may never see it. Right. And people live in these wonderful high ceiling wood brick walls, you know, just the the whole industrial loft feel of those buildings downtown. It's really remarkable. A lot of them, the exterior will not give away at all There's a, what is what is inside. When you're going down Texas, and I mean down past like where the municipal uh-huh, is, going uh-huh. down Texas that way toward the police station, but I know on the about midway down on the left, mm-hmm. it just looks... You know, I mean, industrial, it looks... Yeah, it looks kind of bombed out, people would say. There are a couple of vacant But but then a gate opens up, and 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 there's there's this courtyard and yes. these parking inside and these and a beautiful <laughs> apartment. I'm like, this yeah. is the coolest thing ever. It is. We have and some... you never know if you just no. drove by and don't look. Oh, no, no. You would drive through and you go, oh my gosh, this place is, you know, barren and barricaded and nobody lives here <clears throat> and vacant. And I go, nope, no, it's not. It may look that way to you, but, it, but it's not at all. And a lot of them are Airbnbs. So you can go on Airbnb and we've got some amazing spaces, some hidden treasures downtown. Speaking are, of, like CNC Mercantile, mm-hmm, yeah. I love what they've done with their block. 
that's in that a, area. That is exactly right. They don't own that building. It's a guy named Tom Siobhan, and he and his wife live in a portion of the building, and the other portion they're leasing to CNC for that that very cool retail space. So you have little um, places like that all throughout downtown, and that's why we encourage people to either go on our website, which is com, and look at the different places you can go to shop and art events and locations to see what all is available to you and what people have done. When you see what somebody else has done, it just makes your brain start, you know, churning. Right. Hey, there's so if much they did that, so much I can potential do this. and so many things already happening. Like you, Lauren will take that, you know, they've they've got that empty lot next and, to their building. And they do the downtown mercantile markets and they, they have those, all kind of which events. Which is and, so much fun. All the vendors set up and mm-hmm. they have live music set up and food trucks. Yeah, and you know, the Asiana Garden, which is right around the corner from there, mm-hmm. does has their Asiana Festival once or twice a year. Then uh, we used to have the Texas Avenue Makers Fair, which yes. was the cool yeah. event. And now we've got a Taco Wars happens in that general area. So again, and Caddo Common Park, there as, as it gets cooler, there'll be a lot of things programmed there. And it's just, it's a very vibrant area, but if you're driving through at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning or if you're driving through at the heat of a 104-degree day, you're not going to see a lot of activity. And, don't and, think that that's right. how it normally looks. Right. <laughs> and, and don't think nothing's going on. Yeah, that's that's right. And Let's uh, talk, You want to talk about Art Walk? Do we have time to talk about that? We do when we come back. We will do it. Uh, Liz Swain from the Downtown Development Authority in studio, Mike and McCarty. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. One zero one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty in studio with Liz Swain, Downtown Development Authority. By the way, coming up next hour, uh, Tim Temple, he's running for insurance commissioner, going to be joining us in studio. Liz, a lot of things going on downtown. We talked about. Uh, are, you mentioned Art Walk a minute yes. ago, and yes. how long has that been happening? Art Walk's been going on now for about five years. Of course, we took uh, some time off for COVID, and it's uh, very popular. Once a month, uh, we. We've changed days to try to accommodate more people, but we've come back to Wednesday. It just works. It's hump okay. day. It's it's a great day of the week. So next Wednesday, which is September 6th, will be Art Walk from 5 to 8 o'clock. It's free. It's family friendly. We're going to have air-conditioned shuttles picking people up so you don't have to sweat if you don't want to. And. Yeah, because next week we're supposed to climb a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, ninety four. But that will feel like a spring day compared to what well, we've this had. week. This week has felt. One, we've actually it. been able to sit out on the front porch again. I had a jacket on the other day. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. But it, uh, you know, well, after getting used you have to zero zero point one percent body fat, so I'm, I'm sure you would need a jacket. <laughs> I, I don't wear a jacket in January, so you don't. You ride your motorcycle in January and don't put a jacket <laughs> do. on. Those crazy guys. I love it. But for people that don't know Art Walk, it's uh, it's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like you said a moment ago, you're able to see places that you normally and go don't get into, into. these right. cool buildings right. Right. that right. normally you'll just drive by, or even during the course of a day, you don't get to go inside. Absolutely, we've got. Uh, 
for our next art walk, the Noble Savage and Drip Donuts and Spring Street Museum, Bailey Gallery, Remington Hotel and Suites, uh, Stray Cat. So, you know, we've got all these cool places that you'll be able to go into, see pop-up artists, have great food and beverage, uh, experience history. We'll do a history talk. We'll do a give you an opportunity to watercolor the city, you know, provide all the stuff for you. All you have to do is bring your your body. Mm-hmm. Just bring it on downtown and we'll uh, provide the map. We'll pick you up, like I said, with these shuttles. We've got iShuttle and Centenary College is bringing their air-conditioned van. Thank you so much, Centenary. Shout out to you. They want to partner with cool things and we really appreciate this. And so, you know, again, we try and make it pg uh, never PG-13. Stray Cat, you won't be able to go in unless you're 21 and up. But all the other uh, venues that we'll have, it's family friendly. Right. And and when we say walk, uh, that, that's the benefit is to be able to you start it at is. point A and then and you, you work your way around. Direction. Right, right. But There's, you're not going to walk 10 miles. Oh, no, my gosh. It's, it's like it's three blocks. blocks. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's it's This one is about three blocks. This is very condensed. And you're going inside. And you're going inside. And every location does have air conditioning. And there are bathrooms. And, again, you can uh, drip hot donuts will be they'll be there but they're also going to have their hot chicken truck so you'll be able to get their yummy hot chicken oh the standard i didn't say you'll be able to go in that cool old commercial national bank building and actually take a tour of some of those rehab departments in that building and there'll be artists there as well so we've got all of these cool fun things for people to do it's a Nice evening. It's three hours. You can eat while you're there, drink while you're there, go to the post party at Noble Savage if you'd like, make it a later night or not. It's entirely up to right. you. Right. And it's all family friendly. Absolutely. And, and free. Free. Big word. Free. <laughs> free. Uh, next to Rhino Coffee in that building, mm-hmm. uh, one year inside, and which is, by the way, an incredibly cool building. The, the kind of the foyer that looks over the, you know, I mean, upstairs. oh, you're, you're talking about this, the old Sears building, which is, is the loft of 624, 624 yes. Texas Street. Absolutely. Yeah. That's such a cool. And the yeah. fixtures are, are like tubas and saxophones, yes. the yes. light fixtures. And yes, yes, yes. So that sculpture, by the way, my husband made it. Steve Culp, serious, who Steve? is a sculptor in addition to being every other thing that you can imagine. Uh, but the owner of that building owned Tipitina's Music yes, Club down across, in New Orleans, okay. right? Well, but, he, but owned, the, he also owned the foundation, right? Yeah. The Tipitina's Music Foundation. But he owned the club as well. Oh, wow. And he wanted uh, something in the Sears building that kind of inferred the musical lineage. Not only of him, but of that whole area. Because remember, that's where Stan's Music Shop used to be, right up the street. Right down, years yes. and years oh, and years yeah. ago before all of us. But um, oh Elvis allegedly worked in the old Sears department store um, in the summertime when he was here for Louisiana Hayride. He might be hired to move furniture or something like right. that. And he so was 19 years old. People yeah, yeah. And Webb yeah. Pierce was actually, at, he worked at the men's shop at the Sears department store. So there's a musical history in that building as well. You, you know, that's funny you say that. I've got Jessica Brock coming in later this uh, next hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's playing Patsy Cline yeah. in oh. the Little Theater And that's production. sold out, isn't it? They've just about sold yeah, out. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's really great. Um, 
what I was going to say is the Sears building there next yeah. to where Rhino Coffee is. It's got apartments upstairs. So cool. It's too. so, so cool. cool. That big foyer. That's yeah. where I first met Mike and Mark Mangum. Oh, from the Twin, Twin Blends, Blends guys. guys. Yeah. They had a, yeah. a table set up and, a, and you know, displaying their work. And this is years ago. And I didn't yeah. know who they were. Yeah. And uh, I, I love their work and their research yes. and their preservation <laughs> of, yeah. of the, these uh, um, photographic collections that they're doing. They are really remarkable people and they take on kind of the, the, the heritage of Grable and all the great photographers of years past. They are, they are not so much taking the photos, but they're maintaining, finding the photos, collecting the photos. The negatives. And, 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 yes. uh, and making sure that these are safe for posterity. You know, we're really lucky because our communities have been well documented by photography over the years and that has been saved. So many communities do not have that. And so it helps us tell our story in a real compelling way. And the way they blend. They do. They do. The the (laughs) historic photo with the new and current time. It's just very helpful. They're going to be in studio with us tomorrow morning. Oh, they're great guys. Looking forward to it. I haven't seen them in a while. Ask uh, ask them which is older. You know, Michael (laughs) Michael Monk. I forgot. I can't tell them apart. Nah, nobody can. I can't. Uh, no, no one can. They can't tell love each them other death, apart. Though. They don't know. <laughs> you know they, they, I think they're the only ones. <laughs> if I had a twin brother, I'd be in so much trouble. Oh, so. he'd be in so much trouble. Liz Wayne in studio. Mike and McCarty. One of- Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Got Liz Swain in studio from the Downtown Development Authority. Liz, I, I, we got a message on the uh, Shreveport Security Systems message board that says, please ask Liz to put regular parking meters that take dimes and quarters. He says, I, I was downtown, didn't have the parking app, and he was trying out the glass hat. But yes. he didn't have he didn't have dimes and quarters. I am so sorry that he didn't see the parking map that's on the Glass Hat Facebook page. There are parking meters around the Glass Hat. There's some on Marshall Street. There's some on Edwards Street. So it would have been about oh a quarter of a block away that he would have been able to. Uh, so to there access. are still meters oh, that have yeah. that have coin access. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. And okay. there will always be meters that have coin access. But what we've run into over the years is that meters have become easier and easier for people to break into and steal and so of course yeah and the you cannot steal a green curb i mean you could but why right (laughs) so it is just it makes more sense for the city uh to not invest in meters in not have all these slot machines on the corners right Right. And it's, you know, it is always an amazing thing that people will break into your car if they see 75 cents in the console. People will break into a meter and get 75 cents, but that's a $500 or $600 meter. And so it just, the the fiscal, um, you know, when you add add the dollars and cents, it just made more sense to, in some areas, have just the green curbs. So you you need the parking app. You do. Okay. But you can also call. There are signs that are in each block. You don't have to have the app. You can pay by phone. So you can call the phone number that's on the sign, and then you can actually start a session just on your phone. 
you can do that as well. Isn't technology amazing? Technology is amazing, and it's only getting more amazing, which is a little bit scary. You know, you <laughs> well, about yeah, all the AI and everything AI that's going stuff. On. It's all mm-hmm. that's a, another hour. Liz Swain with the Downtown Development Authority, Mikey McCarty, one hundred one seven. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Liz Swain in studio, vacationing Aaron McCarty, Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710 Kiel. Liz, um, one thing we've got to talk about because there are people that are, are, are there are people that are afraid to go downtown at yeah, night. Yeah, at you, night. See, you see things on Facebook about people who are scared of downtown, and um, the police have really, really it's, uh, it, these been last there in weeks, numbers, yes. uh, several weeks, a number of weeks, um, in what we consider the club area. And, you know, that's that area of Spring Street, a little bit of Travis and a little bit of Commerce and and Texas. Down by the bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What used to be the... the 200 block, roughly, Mm -hmm. yeah. So there was a lot of activity that we know about. Everybody's seen the video and, you know, been surprised and shocked and dismayed, quite honestly, by it. And the police have responded in a big way. They've been flooding the area. There I'm sure been you've a, been working with Wayne Smith, absolutely, police chief. Absolutely. There have been a lot of arrests that have been made. And they are really doing a, a sort of a zero tolerance in terms of people who are drunk and people who shouldn't be there and people who have outstanding warrants who may be around and things of that nature. So they're trying to tamp down on it in a big way. This is going to require constant diligence. I, you know, you can't just come in for three or four weeks and say it's good because people, right. once you got, once you're gone, people who don't need to be down there will realize that you're gone and they'll come back. And that unfortunately is one of the things that kind of got us into this position is because for so many years, downtown has been the safest area in the city. The crime stats bear that out. As a general rule, downtown just has crimes of what I call crime of opportunity. Mm-hmm. We'll have some panhandling. Somebody may steal a tip jar. If you leave your car unlocked, somebody will get in your car and take something out of your car. Those types of nonviolent crimes. But then when we had all of this happening in the club district, but what the, the police had to do because they didn't have enough people is they looked at the areas that weren't that weren't having crime, they took the officers and put them in the areas that were having crime. So what does that do? That leaves an area unprotected. And so the police are very much uh, returning to downtown and and trying to set things right. And from everything that I can tell, they're doing a, a very good job. The city attorney is still working on that noise ordinance, mm-hmm. which is going to be very helpful for this for the police in dealing with some of the issues, and it as seems well. like business owners would go, you know, as as a good citizen, let me do what I can to help the situation, as opposed to saying this is my right, I'll do whatever I want. Well, you know, not, when you have a lot of people, my uneducated uh, opinion. Yeah. When you have a lot of people in a small area. Um, we are very individualistic about what we think is right and wrong. And so sometimes, uh, like, was it Mark Twain who said good fences make good neighbors? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think good laws make good neighbors sure, as well. Absolutely. And the but noise, those laws have to be. The noise ordinance wasn't a good law. 
uh, it was poorly written. It had been amended over time, and the city is doing the right thing by deconstructing it and starting over again. Okay. Well, very good. Well, uh, hopefully, uh, with continued diligence, absolutely, and things are already already like and you you're think, right. Better. It was it was late night issues, right? But whether it's late night, early morning, midday, people assume the worst, and that's one thing that that's a road we can't go down. Right. We just can't do it. We want our downtown to be vibrant and wonderful and welcoming. We don't want people to think negatively of it. And there's a lot of good things that are happening that we. A lot of it that we highlighted this hour. Well, and so many more things that we didn't get to. And I would love to encourage people. Uh, DowntownShreveport.com is our website. Shreveport DDA is our Facebook page. If you Mm want to know what's going on, we've got an e-blast that goes out every week. You know, join us. Great job. Liz Swain, Downtown Development Authority. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Mike and McCarty. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty Aaron on vacation. In studio, Tim Temple. Uh at first I thought you were candidate for insurance commissioner, which technically you are, but you're commissioner elect. Commissioner so elect. I guess you're not candidate anymore. It's not candidate. I am a commissioner elect. I will be the commissioner of insurance officially January eighth. Well, congratulations. Well thank you. So there was somebody else in the race, but you said they weren't qualified or yeah there was someone that had qualified uh initially uh, during the three-day qualifying or yeah three-day qualifying period and they uh backed out after and uh i am the commissioner elect well congratulations ready to get to work first thing i have to ask i I, in fact we've got somebody coming in here in just a little bit and and we were talking and i said yeah i've got uh, tim temple in in studio he goes my insurance just went up 30 percent i'm not happy i said well and everybody that went up is not happy and that's a statewide problem right and why is that i mean i think i have a a a kind of a bead on it uh the the billboard lawyers and tort we need tort reform and but also uninsured motorists telling me about auto insurance in louisiana and how can the commissioner make a difference sure and mike let me start uh or let's if i can let's back up one step and it, because it's not just auto anymore you know for years we you know louisiana has been number one or number two as far as highest auto rates uh, in the country but now with the, the the crisis from the from the homeowners industry you know we're not just facing an auto crisis we now have a homeowners crisis uh, especially in south louisiana as you would anticipate mm-hmm. uh, but we also have a commercial trucking crisis and uh, we also now have a commercial property crisis uh, again as a result of the tightening market conditions and you throw on top of all of those we still have a flood issue with flood rating risk rating 2.0 which is the federal program so you know Louisiana citizens are facing – it's unprecedented. Never as far as in my experience and knowledge of the insurance industry have we ever had a crisis this serious that spanned this many different lines of business. So it's as bad as it's ever been. Um, and, and to answer your question, you know, what can the commissioner of insurance do? And, you know, I would ask your listeners to just to, – to be – knowledgeable of the fact that insurance companies do not have to do business in the state of Louisiana. They don't have to right. do business in any state. Right. They choose, just like free market allows, they choose to where they want to do business. And in Louisiana, the simple fact is Louisiana is not a desirable state to do business, which is why we don't have choices. And when you don't have choices, that's not competition. And when you don't have competition, 
it's supply and demand. And, you know, premiums go up, rates go up. And, you know, certainly we've had four hurricanes over a 12-month period, starting with Hurricane Laura in August of 2020 through Delta, Zeta, and then ending with Ida in August of 2021. But those are hurricanes, and insurance companies can model and price for hurricanes. What they can't price for or what's more difficult to price for is the regulatory environment of a state and Mm. the legislative, the legal environment. Right, right. So as commissioner, that's my focus. Is how and Louisiana law is different than any law in uh, any state in the union. Well, it's different, but but it's all. And, and I know you're talking about Napoleonic, you know, right. you know the Napoleonic code. But um, but the other thing too is that we are outliers in a lot of different ways, and, and that's what insurance companies look at. If they want, if we want new companies to come in, which I assure you, we all do. We want competition. Absolutely. Then. As the commissioner, as the regulator, my job is to drive the department to make sure that we're a friendly department of insurance, that we're a welcoming department of insurance. And I get a lot of pushback that, oh, wait a second, well, that means you're just going to let the insurance companies run all over people. And no, I can assure you that is not what's going to happen. As the regulator, your job is also to hold those insurance companies accountable. And by that, you know, the, the easiest example is you pay your premium, you expect to be paid when you have a claim. That's the job of the commissioner is to make sure that that happens timely, quickly, uh, efficiently. And so I want the Louisiana to be seen as a state that insurance companies go, hey, we're looking to expand our business. We want to write in Louisiana. The legislative side, the legal environment mm-hmm. of it, we need to look at the differences. Why, where does Louisiana stand out? You know, are there laws in, in a Texas good way. in a good way? Are there laws in Texas or Mississippi or Alabama or Arkansas that are more favorable? And, and, and I mean favorable, meaning more balanced, so that they say, oh, we can go and write business in Louisiana. I want companies to be treated fairly so that they br- bring their capacity, they bring their, their dollars to the state uh, to give us that competition. You know, and again, my job is to make sure and manage that, that they that they come in and they don't take advantage of us as a consumer. But when you talk about the legal side of it, the, the, the law, I mean, who sets the law? Well, the legislature sets the law. Lawyers. Right? Well, the, 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 and, the, the and House and influence? Senate members. The House right. and Senate members that we vote. how much influence do these uh, – uh, I, I have to be careful, you know, the, the billboard lawyers, these accident attorney call me lawyers, they have a lot of influence. Well, well, they have a lot of influence. I mean, a lot of industry has influence. But, you know, my job is, is, is the incoming commissioner of insurance and soon to be elected or, uh, you know, sworn in commissioner mm-hmm. of insurance is to work with the legislature to work. Look, we've got a new governor that's going to be uh, coming in January 8th. We've got a new attorney general that's going to be coming in January 8th. We have a new treasurer. Um, you know, we've got a lot of new office holders. We're going to have a new Senate president. We're going to have a new House speaker. You know, my job is to help identify what needs to change, where Louisiana is an outlier, and, and work with the legislature to suggest legislative fixes that will help, like I said, bring Louisiana more in balance. I can't do that alone. You know, I certainly don't regulate the, you know, the the, sure. uh, the, the, right. the billboards or, or, or even the legislature. You know, but my job is to work with them to identify those outliers, as, as we mentioned earlier, um, that will 
if we change those, it will help promote Louisiana as a state that companies feel that they can come back to. Well, tell me a little bit about Tim Temple. You, you've been in the insurance industry a long time. You're married. Uh, yes. Where do you live? You're, obviously, you live in South Louisiana. Sure, yeah. Well, you know, I grew up in DeRitter, uh, Borgard Parish. Oh, yes. We're all hearing about that with the wildfires. And, um, you know, I tell you, it's, it's, that, that is a, um, I'm proud of the response the state uh, has done on that. I've been down there. I was down there last weekend, and um, I'm proud of uh, just the fact that, I mean, people are coming from all over the country to help Louisiana uh, deal with the wildfires, and not just in Borgard Parish, Vernon Parish and Sabine. It's crazy, It's everywhere. It? Uh, but but the yeah, back to the state point. on fire. Right. It's crazy. But I did grow up uh, in, Louis- in, in, in DeRitter, and uh, I was in this industry for 20 20- Plus years, I'm no longer involved in it. Um, you know, I'm completely out. Uh, you can't regulate an industry that you're going to benefit <laughs> from. Um, right. But but I've been out for several years uh, from that. But um, like I said, I grew up in it. I wore a lot of different hats in this business, and I think that gives me an advantage coming into this office because insurance is complex. You know, it, it is it is a financial to instrument, least, yeah. and it's complex. And I know as consumers don't really care how complex it is. We as a consumer, me as a consumer, I just want to know what my premium is and I want to make sure that it's with a company that's going to be there to pay a claim when I have and one. What, exactly. We we pay premiums and then we we get denied right. uh, for claims and that, that's And again, that's, that's the job complicated of the commissioner. As it needs to be. That's the job of the commissioner is to fight for your on your behalf when you have a problem with right. with an insurance company. Uh, it's not – I don't ever want people to think that they have to go out and fight an insurance company. You've elected and hired someone to do that for you in the office of the regulator. So um, that's my view of it. But, no, you know, I understand the complexities of the industry, and I think that's going to be an advantage as we identify the, the problems that we're talking about right now, but also create the solutions and implement those solutions. Can you hold with us? Certainly. Certainly. Appreciate you uh, coming in. Tim Temple, uh, Commissioner-Elect, Louisiana Commissioner of Insurance. We'll be back after the break. Back to the big stories of the day with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. In studio with uh, Commissioner of Insurance-Elect. Tim Temple, Mike and McCarty, and uh, I know you talked about you wanted to uh, start a special session uh, once you get sworn in. Let me ask you this real quick. One of our Shreveport Security Systems message board uh, says, can you ask Mr. Temple if he's mindful of the impending changes to BCBS and how can these changes or how will these changes impact retirees? who have Blue Cross Blue Shield as secondary insurance. Yes, I, I'm uh, aware of the Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, proposed sale. Um, I've got access to the same information that, that, that you and everybody else in the public does. You know, as the commissioner, you don't have any additional insight into it. Uh, so They're not contacting you yet. Right, right. right. So, so I can't, yeah, I, uh, I read the same papers and okay. the same articles, emails. But I can tell you, you know, that is a sale of a private company. Um, I know we like to think of Blue Cross Blue Shield as kind of a state entity, right, but it's, yes. it's owned by the policyholders. Um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly looking and interested in trying to find out more. Is is this going to be a good deal? Um, it, you know, they say it is. Uh, I know that there's going to be a public hearing on October 5th and 6th in Baton Rouge at the Department of Insurance, so that if uh, citizens have any concern or want to voice their their thoughts or opinions, that they certainly need to go down there. But at the end of the day, this is a it's a transaction where the policyholders 
have it's a ballot a private company and they vote right. and so i would you know encourage that if anybody has whatever their feelings are for or against it if you're a policyholder make sure and vote make your vote count um, from the commissioner's office, the, the job really is from a regulatory standpoint to make sure that every, you know, all the T's are crossed and I's are dotted. And at the end of the day, the commissioner, the sitting commissioner has final say so on whether to approve it or not. Every indication that I've been told is that the current commissioner is going to make that decision, whatever that decision is. You know, I don't know. Now, speaking of current commissioner, you came in this morning, you have a nice suit. You didn't have a seersucker suit on. <laughs> I do have a seersucker suit, but I don't wear seersucker suits very often. Um, uh, not that I don't like them, but not, this is this is right. the uniform I wear. So tell me about. You want to call it a, a special session? You want to address you know not just auto insurance, but you were saying there's lots of needs. The marketplace in, in the general. industry, right? Right. And yes, and, and I'm I've been very vocal about the, the the need to have a special session. And certainly, the commissioner of insurance doesn't have the power to call it. That's the governor can or the the Senate president and, and, and House Speaker, you know, can do that. The, the legislature can call it. But um, I've, I've encouraged everyone I talked to uh, of my uh, thoughts about the need to have one. And if you just from a timeline standpoint, and, and it's not just to address auto insurance. Like I said, we need to improve the marketplace of Louisiana. We need to attract new companies, whether they're writing auto or homeowners or, I mean, there's even private flood out there, whatever, the, you know, the business we want them to come. But if you think from a timing standpoint, regular session doesn't start until March of this year. Mm-hmm. It doesn't conclude until June, sometime in June, which means any laws that you change favorably or new laws that you create that are favorable to increasing competition in Louisiana don't take place until at the earliest, perhaps August, but at the latest, January of next year. And I think you and I and all your listeners agree we can't wait another year to start seeing premium relief. We need to act as quickly as possible. Now, whether we have a session immediately after January 8th swearing in or we have it sometime later in January or perhaps early February, that would still work within that timeline. But, you know, I think it's very important that we have one. Look, Florida had three special sessions after Hurricane Ida. They had one hurricane and three special sessions. Right. We had four hurricanes, and we only had one special session, and that didn't even deal with the underlying issues, the fundamental issues in here in Louisiana. That was just to appropriate $45 million for an incentive program. So I think it's we're well past time to have one to deal with these, these key issues that, okay. we're, that we have. Very good. Well, again, congratulations on, well, on the position. Well, thank you so much. And look, and I, I'd like just to leave uh, your listeners with this thought. You know, I'm not proposing that we create some plan just to have a plan. It's mm-hmm. not going to be rushed to failure. You know, I've been sitting down with the stakeholders. We're talking with insurance companies. We're talking with claims people. We're talking with insurance agents, consumer advocacy groups, attorneys. You know, we're t- going to talk to all of them and work towards solutions to create a, a a well-thought-out path to a competitive market. I'm not asking the citizens of Louisiana to uh, to sample a half-baked cake. And and being in the position that you're in now, you're in the you're in the position that where people will want to talk to you again. Certainly, you know, as not, a commissioner, not a elect, candidate, but right. you're 
candidate-elect. Candidate-elect brings a lot more gravitas to the conversation. And uh, and, and have you and talked I've already with, seen that. Have um, you talked with any of the gubernatorial candidates? I've talked to many, if not, uh, I know I've talked to the first seven, let's say, right. that were in the race. I think right. there are 15 or 16 now. Uh, I've certainly talked to all of the first seven about this desire, and I would say it's overwhelming support that we need to do something quickly. Um, special session. Tim Temple, Commissioner of Insurance-Elect, thank you so much. I know you've got a lot of miles to cover today. Well, thank you. And, look, I look forward to being back up here very often. I look forward to it. Thank you, sir. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Ruben, in the relatively short time you and I have known each other, I think you learned I'm a theater person. Yes. Love of 40 years. I'm really looking forward to talking to um, Janet coming up next. Jessica. I said Janet. Janet. It's your middle name? Is that? My maiden name is Janet. Janet. It's spelled like Janet, but okay. I'm, I'm a Cajun from down south. So Patsy that's... Klein comes to life at Shreveport Little Theater. We're going to talk about that next. Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM. 7... Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Kiel. We are in studio with Jessica Brock, actress, local actress, um, performing in Always Patsy Cline that uh, opens tomorrow night. Is that right? Tomorrow night? Opening is tomorrow. Tomorrow night, so tonight's dress rehearsal. It is, the whole shebang. Come up a little closer to that mic for me, if you will. Gotcha. There you are. So tell me about this role. You, you, I saw some interview, you grew up. Your mom, your grandmother played Patsy Cline to you as a child? Correct. Yeah. So I'm the youngest of 26 grandchildren. And um, so I I got all the uh, famous, uh, incredible musical influences in my life from my grandmother. Um, She would put us to bed listening to Patsy Cline, the the greatest hits. And when I was a teenager in box sets came out from their CDs. I got a Patsy Cline box set when I was, oh, I don't know, 13 or 14 and um, would just listen all night. Trying to emulate what she did with her voice. So this is this is a natural for you. This is an honor for me to step into this role. Um, uh, Artistic the, director at SLT, Bobby Darrow, chose you for this. They didn't did. even have auditions. Is that right? That's correct. And gosh, what an honor. He uh, saw me in earlier performances and knew I had a, a lower range in register and that I could... I've, was influenced uh, by Patsy. He just saw it then that I could probably fill that role. Uh, he just had no idea how much it would mean to me. And so when he called and asked, it, it didn't really matter what was happening in my life. I was I called my husband. I was like, hey, babe, I have this opportunity, and I can't say no. Right. I had to do it. So how long have you been in rehearsals? Did it take much not musically. Uh, we we just picked this up in July. I've been rehearsing every night <laughs> with uh, the musical director, Robert Cruz, mm-hmm. who is brilliant and such a great influence on us. Thank God for him. Um, he we he and I have been rehearsing since the middle of July for the music. Uh, but he asked me early, he said, uh, so are you familiar with her work? And I was like, <laughs> oh, yes, no doubt. Um, I'm ready for this. I had to learn a few tunes that were new to me. Uh, but for the most part, her classic. 
mistakes are just now this is not like uh you go and watch a biographic play about patsy klein this is kind of a unique show is that correct that is correct based on a true story and it's only two people in the cast that's exactly right anybody can google uh patsy klein and get the historic facts right so that biography is out there um but which is is by the way a tragic story Her whole life, it was tragic. I've come to know so much about her. Um, She was abused by her father. He abandoned them. She almost died with rheumatic fever. But when she recovered from that illness, um, she found that she had this huge voice and started singing at 14 years old. Continued on, and, and, and you can find this out on, on Google. I'm, I'm so proud of her and her hard work. She changed industry standards for women mm-hmm. in country. She had a voice. She spoke up. She, w- she was kind, she was, but she was no, feisty. she was. Yes, she was. <laughs> she was a firecracker. And much like myself. Huh? <laughs> um, so, so, again, going back to this is a little different. It's it told is. from the perspective of a pen pal. A pen of pal. And this is a true story. Uh, she met a fan, a huge fan, and Houston when she came down to do a show at the Esquire Ballroom. And this fan showed up early, became her friend, helped her through the set. They went home, had bacon and eggs, and talked all night like sisters. They became pen pals. And this is true. We have letters from Patsy Cline to Louise Seeger, who is played by the very talented Kim Price at Shreveport Little Theater. So it's the cast of two. Kim and I are the storytellers. I mainly sing. Kim tells the story in her memory of the good friends that they were. And then we're honored to have a beautiful band on stage. I call them the Grand Ole Opry Band for Miss. That's what I was going to say. You yeah. have uh, you got a live band performing with, is it steel guitar and guitar? Or and what do you have? Fiddle, steel, uh, keys. Oh, that's we have awesome. an upright bass. Uh, and you actually perform what they said, almost 30 Patsy Cline songs during the show. That's right. So you get the story of the pen pal, but also it's a concert of her greatest hits and some of the ones you didn't know or you might have forgotten. But it's going to be your favorites as close as I can be to Patsy uh, just to honor her. I fall to pieces. Of course, I, I, that's what I think of when Absolutely. I think of Patsy Klein. Uh, one of her so biggest So to think hits. that there are 30 songs that you do in this show. That's right. And then, of course, you'll hear Crazy, which everybody Crazy. loves, that Willie Nelson no, wrote yeah. for. And then um, uh, her breakout song was actually on the Arthur Godfrey show, which was like American Idol is. You know, it's a, it's a talent show. Um, Arthur Godfrey had her up there. She did uh, Walking After Midnight. Oh, yes. And that's yeah. what got See? her national attention. See? All of those. You'll hear them. So when you started doing research, I'm sure you didn't have to do a lot of research, but was were there any surprises that you found out that, that you didn't know before this came along? Um, there are several. <laughs> um, back like how then, tragic her life was? How tragic her life was and how tragic this loss was. Her manager was the pilot, uh, Randy Hughes. He did great things for her, but... He was the pilot who just really misjudged that day. He was warned not to fly. She was killed in a plane crash. It was a plane crash. When she was 30 uh, she years was old. just 30. It was 1963. Mm-hmm. And at that time, when a crash happened, it, it was 
it was heard audibly, that it was witnessed audibly. Um, so a farmer, you know, went and looked for the crash site. They couldn't find it that night. He called it in about 7 p.m. It happened about 6.30. He called it in, but there were no rescue efforts. Not that they all died on impact, but there were no rescue efforts. It was later on when the Grand Ole Opry members actually formed a search party, and they wow. found the wreckage the next morning. And sadly, which is so unheard of today, um, there were... I hate to call them looters, but they were fans who took things from the crash site, including her dress that she wore at the Kansas City fundraiser, um, parts of the plane. Uh, her watch was taken and then returned later. It sits in the Patsy Cline Museum. Um, so there's oh, such a tragic story, um, but she was so beloved. And she didn't know it, Mike. She didn't. She never. She knew. never saw her. She wasn't the yes. most popular one on the plane at that time, but because she is so timeless, she is uh, famous posthumously and and loved. Who else and was adored. on the plane? Um, Hawkshaw Hawkins. Oh yeah, and then Cowboy Copus, and and then Randy Hughes was the manager. So it was the four of them, and she wasn't the most popular at the time. But boy, she found fame afterwards. Well, this, the, the the show is already sold out, but you guys have added a performance, so we if people to. want to hurry up, they can get yes. some tickets. Is so go to the weekends? Shreveport Little Theater um, to find tickets. You can purchase that t- uh, that way. It's showticksforyou.com. And yes, so the shrevepoortlittletheater.com. Correct. And that'll lead you to the show yeah. tickets for you. Um, so it's this weekend, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, next weekend, 8th, 9th, 10th. We are almost sold out next weekend, but they, we added a performance the nighttime of the 10th. So, so 7.30 p.m. a few tickets still available. That show just opened yesterday, so there should be tickets today if you want to go get them for 7.30 p.m. on uh, September 10th. Jessica Brock, always Patsy Klein. Congratulations. Good show. Thank you so much, Thanks Mike. for coming in. 101.7. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarthy on 101.7 FM and 710 Kiel. Ruben, wow, what a morning. It's been a, it's been a week already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Erin on vacation, and she's been she's been here in town. Um, I actually haven't really bothered her that much, though. No. This no. week, I've let her kind of have time. You know, you don't want to hear from work. <laughs> you don't want to hear from your work husband. No. When you're trying to enjoy time. No. So I, I haven't really bothered her. But uh, tomorrow, uh, I, I do want to thank Liz again yes, uh, for coming in this morning, spending time with us. I love talking about downtown. Uh, lots of like exciting things happening. And, and if you haven't done Art Walk, by the way, which is coming up Wednesday, uh, next Wednesday, um, it really is a lot of fun. Always a fantastic time. And like I say, that's when I first got to meet uh, Twin Blends, Mark and Mike. And uh, they're coming in tomorrow morning, so I'm excited to talk to them. They've Excellent. Got, they've got a lot of things uh, going on. A lot of these um, photo-negative archives from some of our local famous legendary photographers, and uh, they've been charged with uh, with keeping up with and preserving these archives, and, and they just do fantastic work. I haven't talked to anybody that doesn't just love Twin Blends. And then uh, also tomorrow, Ernie Robertson, one of my favorite guests as well, uh, coming in. And I just love talking about the Shreveport history. Oh, yeah. That he knows. 
and uh, he's written a few books and, and uh, co-authored a few books about Shreveport history, and we'll talk with him coming up tomorrow And uh, as we head into a long weekend. Oh, Hallelujah. Man. Monday Amen. off. No Monday next week? No Monday. I'm excited. We'll have a best of. <laughs> yes. We'll have a best of on Monday. But as far as weekend plans, you... You're not a football fan, so you're not looking forward to LSU. Nope, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be uh, shooting some promo stuff for uh, our upcoming Halloween party at Bears, and uh, then you, then uh, we're going to be uh, laying down some tracks for some new music. And when you say we, you're talking about Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, oh, possum, oh Brother, Oh Possum, possum where, where Art Thou? thou? Yeah, sorry, yes. it's a, a muscle memory. Oh Possum, Where Art Thou? I can't even play it for my wife, you know. No, I'm, I'm mowing the yard <laughs> and I'm laughing while I'm mowing. And of course, nobody knows what I'm laughing at. Uh, but but you guys, it, it's it's hilarious. But it's not it's no, not family not, friendly, not appropriate. Um, but you said the other day you're booked for the rest of the year. We're booked out through the rest of the year. We got Christmas shows, we got New Year's shows, we got a Thanksgiving show. We're taking this month off to lay down some more recordings. Uh, we're going to be releasing a few singles and. Uh, yeah, but we've been busy. We never intended for it to be this busy. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. Hey, wait, wait, guys, slow down. Yeah, you and you write most of the music. Do you, uh, you have between uh, me, Jared, and our drummer Kyle. We have we have written a lot of music, but it, you know anybody in the band is encouraged to write any anything. How and many members do you have? We have six now. Are which you kidding? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> we have six members because we added uh, we got a new Dude. guitar. We got a new guitar player, and then we added a keyboard player. That's awesome. Yeah. So we got somebody tickling the ivories. Would you ever be able to, you wouldn't be able to do anything like the Revel, though, would you? No. You couldn't? <laughs> <laughs> no, we have to stick to the dive bars and the, the, the adults-only places. Right. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you. And uh, got a great show tomorrow lined up. Looking forward to it. Uh, make it a great Thursday. Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM, 710 Keel, and on the free